Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is Paused Reviews. Hey, welcome back, one and all, to another episode of the Pause Reviews Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Frank, joined by my co-host, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it was like your first time was like, hey, guys, thanks. And now it's just like, yep, yep, yep. yep I'm yep, here. I'm here. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's do this. Old hat now. <laughs> it's true. All right. What else? What else is going on? Not much here. What about you guys? No, it's, yeah, it was a beautiful day. Like, absolutely it was. gorgeous day. So, brought the iPad outside, sat outside watched both baseball games it just it felt really good to just kind of breathe outside today <laughs> yeah we had a we had a nice a nice afternoon my uncle who lives up in northern virginia he needed to just sort of drive the car so he just drove it down to stafford uh, my grandmother's close by so she you know he swung by there and just said hello and I mean, no one got out of the car, none of that kind of stuff. It's not like we visited, visited, but they just sort of sit in their car. We stand at the, you know, at the stoop and just kind of yeah. yell at each other. But it was really good to see him. I hadn't seen him in a while. After that, since we were standing out there, so there's um, there's a family who lives across the street from us and their son is Gabriel's age. They're in school together and they're good buddies, but they haven't been able to see each other. And we just haven't, you know, been able to line it up where it's like they could at least you know, be outside at the same time or whatever. But today they saw us out there, happened to come out and it was the cutest freaking thing. Just watching Gabriel and the neighbor on their respective sides of the streets, racing each other first on like bikes and stuff. And then just foot racing each other, just being kids, man. It just, it felt really good. Even though yeah. they're still across the street, yeah. it was really cool. That kind of made the day, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's frustrating to be, um, destroying your child's childhood like that and forcing them to stay indoors and not doing what's best for them. It's absolutely frustrating. I hate yeah. it so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he'll get over it. He's only seven. Uh, yeah. I, it's, it's really unfortunate. Um, I, I say that because we've sort of been the victim of quarantine shaming recently. And it's really mm. such a shame that this is a thing. I mean, as if you know those of you who have been listening you know that frank and i both have high risk people in our households with carissa being pregnant and um frank's daughter so it's it's you know we take extra precautions but there are people out there who are giving us a hard time saying we're not living our lives to the fullest but it's like i'm fine i'd rather be wrong yeah and you know uh have you know spent these six months being careful and be wrong than to throw caution to the wind and you know get sick i just I'll, I'll, i will live with these you know six months to a year whatever it's going to be i'll live with it it's fine i'm happy with that decision but the fact that we've reached this point where quarantine shaming is a real thing is is really frustrating <laughs> dude we we get it too and and it is it is immensely frustrating i don't know the, what i tell people i don't tell people much i just say you know what you do you and yeah. just leave me be but I am not blind to the facts of everything, right? Like the chances, if you do get it, of it being serious are very low, right? Yeah, it's like 80 right. something percent of people have uber mild symptoms, like, you know, barely know they're sick. And then, but they're 15% 
get crazy sick and yeah. whatever other percentage die. I'm not a pessimist per se, or maybe I am. <laughs> maybe I am a pessimist, but I'm definitely going to live for the worst case scenario in this situation yeah. because yeah. exactly like you said, I would so much rather be wrong and that's fine. I can live with that. What I can't yep. live with is rolling the dice and being right and killing my daughter. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's, you know, it's just, I'm living these 18 months, let's just say like in the, you know, from start sure. to finish, this ends up being yeah. a year and a half. Fine. Yeah. yeah, it sucks. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard on the kids. It's hard on us. You know, I'm a, I'm a homebody extrovert, right? Like being home doesn't bother me. I'm not a bar yeah. hopper dude. Like yeah. I would much rather just hang out with friends, watch movies and grill in the back. Yeah. But, but I'm definitely someone who loves to be surrounded by people. So this has been difficult for all of us, but I'm living these 18 months for the next 10 years, right? Like I, yeah. why am I going to have, you know, one afternoon of fun end up being the 1% that gets sick and dies. And then I'm never seeing anybody again. What's the yep. point of that? So, yeah. I mean, whatever. At the end of the day, man, it's just like, you know what? You want to run off and go do X, Y, and Z? Go, man. Go for it. Yeah. Darwin was right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Don't... More for me. More for me. Right. Like, I'm not going to sit here and judge. I mean, whatever. I do judge people, but <laughs> I, I'm i not going <laughs> to, you know, that's as long as it's not affecting me then yeah. go do whatever you want to do. But definitely yeah. don't jump up my ass because you think I'm ruining my kids. or You know what's going to really ruin my kids? COVID. So, yeah. whatever. Right. Yep. Anyway, it's, uh, uh, I know, it is immensely frustrating. And it's so, it sucks that, that we have to deal with all that right now. Because it's like, you know, we're all, we're all dealing with enough. We don't need to get on each other for it, you know? We are all dealing with enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the episode title. <laughs> Pause, rewind we'll, we'll number. We'll just do it Taskmaster style, and whatever the best quote is now becomes the episode. I like I, so I have been trying to move towards that, yeah, but we just yeah. never say anything good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, oh, this sucks. I hate doing this because. You know, you kind of get into a yeah. rhythm and then we come crashing down and then we got to try yep. to build it back up. But let's jump into some of the news. And honestly, there's only one thing that we want to talk about this week. And that's the death of actor Chadwick Boseman, which happened for us right now. Today, it was it was 48 hours ago when the news hit. And this one was tough. You know, I had planned to stop doing the you know, memorial tributes on the podcast and just leave them for the Instagram account instead. But you know what? There are clearly going to be some that we just have to discuss here. This is 100% one of those. Yeah, for sure. Right? I mean, you and I have talked about this. You know, I'm a little bit embarrassed about how this sudden and unexpected death uh, has really hit me in the past few days. I don't know. It really surprised me. This one has really, really affected me, and I've been trying to kind of figure out why. Like, what is it? And 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 not just me. And at first, it felt like just me. I was embarrassed because I'm just like Frank. You know, you don't even know this person. But as I have, you know, as I've scrolled through Instagram, I, you know, Facebook, whatever, just the news articles, what you know, any basically any feed that I sort of sift through on a day-to-day -day basis 
has been fully inundated with people saying very similar things of just how hard this has hit them. And it's so, it's just so tragic. Like, I don't know. I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, I, I think when I, when I texted you, I didn't fully grasp the magnitude of it because it kind of off that cuff, you were just like, oh man, that really sucks. Like he was a young guy. Black Panther was sort of a sneaky breakout movie that just blew everybody away. You know, there's just the magnitude of what that movie ended up meaning to so many people. And I think for me, I got lost in the fact that he's portrayed some other big you know, names and some, you know, real life roles like the Jackie Robinson story in 42 and like, yeah, Thurgood Marshall. Yeah. James Brown. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, I, I, he kind of flew under the radar a little bit for me and I was watching baseball and they actually stopped in the middle of the broadcast to mention it. And I was just like, whoa. And then same thing, just to see all these tributes pouring in that just felt more right than anything we've seen of recent but what has struck me particularly was just the amount of kids you know somebody had tweeted early on like how do i explain to my my kid that black panther died right like how do i because this you know he is now synonymous with this role right yeah um and just the amount of like posts i've seen of 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 little boys like gathering their action figures and having like a little funeral for black panther and doing the wakanda salute and it is just heartbreaking. All of the people that that he touched, whether it was you know his his episode on SNL was great. You saw some of the cast members tweeting about that. Um, NBA players, baseball players. I mean, it was across the spectrum of uh, outpouring of love for him, and it just it really shocked me. So I, you were definitely not alone. Yeah, it it got my son to you know my son has not seen any of the Marvel movies yet. He's seven. He's getting there but um you know i I don't know there's just some parts that i i sort of have been keeping him out of it for now um but we're getting close and and after this happened i got i was very close to watching black panther with him i remember i came down i was i was upset you know and he's like dad what's going on and i said uh you know black panther died and he goes what in the new movie like he doesn't even know like there's a new movie or not but he but he knows like he knows iron man died and he knows like yeah. you know what i mean he's like oh in the new i was like no the guy who plays him chadwick boseman died he was like oh, what you know and he he couldn't believe it and uh you know he was black Pan- he wanted to be black panther for halloween last year he has the costume still he has the mask he has you know the toys and you know it, it was just uh, you're right it's it's heartbreaking but you know, and the fact that they stopped baseball, it was it was wild. That So Jackie Robinson Day is normally in April, um, yep. but because of everything going on, they pushed it, and it just so happened that they observed Jackie Robinson Day on Friday the 28th, which was the day yep. he died, and he played Jackie Robinson in 42. So it was just a wild, wild day, you know? But I yeah. think that... I think that... A large part of it has to do with the fact that none of us saw this coming at all. Like, in any, he kept it totally secret. He chose to fight cancer privately for four years. So, to hear of his passing on Friday was just, it was a total shock right yeah. like normally you you'll hear someone's battling this or battling that and it doesn't make it necessarily easier but it's at least it being ex- 
expected is also the wrong word, but somehow internally, the news when we hear it, we are prepared to hear that and yeah. to mourn that way and to uh, and to just absorb that information. When it comes out like this, you're just kind of like, what? You know? Yeah. I, I honestly, I thought I missed something. I was like, what? what? Did I miss? He was diagnosed with this, and I was then I was like four years. I was like, whoa! Wait, when I signed oh, on, oh. I was like, when it was that he died, I knew he was young. I was like, did he? Did yeah. COVID get him? Like, right? Cancer was the last thing on my mind. Yeah, I just I think back to like Patrick Swayze, right? He also passed away of colon cancer, right? And or it might have been pancreatic cancer. You know, it's one of the one of the the higher the mortality bad ones, rate cancer. Yeah. yeah, and. I remember years leading up to that, he did interviews and you would just see just kind of how emaciated and worn he, he looked. And, and when he passed away, like y- you knew that that eventuality was a thing. And, you know, yeah. my grandfather died of lung cancer and then they gave him a diagnosis. And so we knew that there was a period coming. And so you can mentally kind of, you know, prepare yourself for that, accept parts of that. But yeah, I mean, just to do this, um, you know, to do that in the public eye and be in big movies and nobody knew anything and just to continue what he's been doing. And I think you'll, you'll kind of talk about some of this potentially, but I mean, just, just the, 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 the movies that he's been in, I mean, whether it's, you know, the Avengers movies or the, uh, or black Panther, just uh, physically demanding movies. And then just his, his outreach uh, within the community beyond that, while suffering from that and going through treatment, it's just it's baffling, absolutely baffling. Well, yeah, I mean, it is. That's definitely something I wanted to talk about. For him to show up to work during those years when he is undergoing countless surgeries, undergoing intense chemotherapy, to to show up to work at all. If it was a desk job, we would be amazed that he was battling through and showing up yeah. and putting in the work. For it to be filmmaking, right, to, to be in a movie is astronomically. I mean, we're talking about 12, 16-hour shoot days. We're talking about night shoots. We're talking about all kinds of crazy stuff. Keeping in mind, not even the studios are aware that he's battling right. this cancer. And then factor in that it is a high-octane, summer blockbuster, tentpole film-like, you know, Civil War to start, Black Panther, yeah. Endgame, Infinity War. Like, these are no joke. Like, it was, it is insane. N- not to mention, right? Like, not to mention, well, I think Civil War, he probably filmed that before his diagnosis. That one came out in 2016. He was diagnosed in 2016. But the other three, for sure were post and then he also did he did marshall he did the he did the five bloods he he did so many so many movies in that sh- yeah. in that time it's astronomical you know i i think for me it's also just been a reminder that no day is promised right mm-hmm. i mean like chadwick boseman was young he was in peak physical shape he was a freaking vegetarian for goodness yeah. sakes, right? Like, if you were going to wager money on the least likely person to be diagnosed with colon cancer at age 38 or 39 and pass away by the age of 43, like, he would be low on that list. He would be the yeah. last person you would place a bet on. Absolutely. I mean, and that's the thing with any of this. Stepping back to the what we, we opened with, the COVID shaming it's you know people are like oh you know athletes oh it's nothing but a cold for them we've seen 
peak baseball players, a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox, is out for at least the rest of the season with complications due to COVID. He is a yes. major league pitcher, and he is a peak performing athlete to be at that level. And COVID has ruined his season and maybe potentially his career if these complications don't you know resolve by the time next season rolls around so uh yeah <laughs> we never and that's the point right and that's we talked a little bit about at the beginning in terms of covid but s- certainly in terms of this like you can never make an assumption that just yeah. because someone is healthy young whatever right sure the odds are rare this is this is probably a, a one in a million shot that this happens to Chadwick Boseman, but it but it did. There's always a chance, and through the way that he handled it, he is known for his outreach, for his for his character and his strength of character, and how good of a person he was. And it's almost like by doing this this way, he he's just giving one more lesson to all of us, right? That you know, take stock of what's truly important and make the most of every day. I mean, he certainly did. You know, we talked about what he did during that time and how much he was able to accomplish. He fought with such grace and poise and dignity, like to the point where we didn't even know he had it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's unbelievable for me under the same circumstances. I would struggle just to wake up every morning after the diagnosis, let alone going through treatment, going to work. Like I would have a hard time just getting out of bed. And this man changed the game. He changed the world with what he did. You know, I think for me too, part of, I've, I've, again, I've just been racking my brain. All of this is why this has hit so hard because this is for someone for it to happen to somebody like this like this yeah. caliber of person is it's devastating anytime it happens um for me selfishly also it hits me in like my deepest fear center you know yeah, that sure. certainly triggered for me as a man living with severe health anxiety this is my literal nightmare like yeah. literally my nightmare so i'm definitely not going to make his tragedy my own but you know i i do think that this mental illness and maybe anybody else who deals with that as well like this is this was a major trigger you know being diagnosed in your 30s with something horrible like this is uh, again it just it speaks to his character that he was yeah. able to absorb that and through faith i mean we know him to be a christian man and 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 you know a devout christian like he he really leaned in and 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 just it's it's un it's unbelievable it's unbelievable i mean and not uh, people are doing this and i I, that's not where i want to go with this um but you know within the political climate of our country um it just seems unfair to um to what he brought to the the black community and his portrayal of this um superhero and something that we haven't had a lot of in film um it just seems so unfair the timing like he all that poison that grace and that dignity he also he inspired a lot of young boys and girls in in his portrayal of this character and then you know that was such a brilliant timing to to get that um to get that star on the rise and get something that we've been, you know, clamoring for within the, the, the comic book and and film industry. And then with everything else going on in the world, um, you know, with these, with the movements and um, the protests and just to have that voice 
as an actor just silenced it just it, it feels just adds to that tragedy right it's just a whole nother layer of of like unfairness i just absolutely it's, no absolutely and you can't you definitely cannot ignore that you cannot talk about chadwick boseman let alone his death without talking about black panther you just talked about how you know this film and his portrayal of the character was so much more than just a movie you know what I mean? Yeah. It was it was amazing, but it was way way more. That team of people, Bozeman and Ryan, director, writer, director Ryan Coogler, and just everybody involved, bringing a black hero to the screen, and then surrounding that hero with some of the world's greatest actors, the majority of whom were also black. And yeah. and you know what they were able to accomplish was so much more than an awesome movie. It was a force of positivity and power for a community in desperate need. Right? Yeah. And, and for decades to come, children, men, and women of color will be able to watch his work and see themselves as heroes. So often, black men in particular are just portrayed as the criminals and the, mm-hmm. and the what, like, how, how long do you have to watch that type of representation before you start to believe it? Now, kids will be able to believe that they're kings, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're superheroes. Right. Like, that's amazing. And... I don't know. And like you said, too, it's not just his role as Black Panther, but it, it was him as Jackie Robinson, him as Thurgood Marshall, him as James Brown, right? There's a reason why he's been yeah. able to bring such iconic African black legends to life. Um, and it, and it's because his life mirrors theirs, right? When things got tough, when when everything was working against him, he rose above, he thrived, he succeeded, and in the end, he won, right? Like, yeah. Chadwick Boseman lived a life worth remembering and worth emulating. And that's mm-hmm. what we're going to miss is that, uh, I mean, look, the the fight goes on, right? Like, it isn't over. I, there's been a lot of calls, you know, and I don't want to talk about Black Panther 2 or this, that, and the other. There's There's been a lot of hate. Uh, for uh, for you know people and and I understand this right a lot of the first inclination was people are like well what's happening with the sequel someone died you know what I mean like yeah. let's let's dwell on that for a while so so I understand the the outrage that that the community felt when uh, against those who were kind of making that the focus at the same time you know we should we have enough to be angry about let's not be angry about each other for for that um, yeah. But there's also been an outpouring of people saying, don't recast, don't, you know, let's move on. Like, he's he's gone, it's over now, like, we can never replace him. No one's saying we can replace Chadwick Boseman, no. right? But I genuinely don't believe that what he would want is that this would end with his death, right? Like, that what he started should live on. And if it means recasting or means whatever, like, we need to keep giving this community, these kids this type of a role of a role model um so i don't know it, it would be it would be hugely tragic if if that if that stopped yeah I, I mean that doesn't seem to be in line with what his his personal character would would want to to see happen I after agree. after bringing something like this to you know for every reason that we just said um I, that that doesn't that doesn't feel feel right um but yeah i mean it's not it's that 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 is a discussion for another day yeah hollywood is hollywood has done it whether you know uh, 
Carrie Fisher, um, the Harry Potter series with the early Dumbledore movies and Richard Harris. Like yep. there, there, there's, you, there's Spartacus. Andy Whitfield yeah. died of, of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Right. And there's, they had there's to time. Up. Right. There's time to figure this out. It's not now. Um, Agreed. I, that's we'll, we'll, yeah, we have enough things to worry about in our, in our world right now that this, this guy just needs to be honored for, uh, the outpouring of love, you know, just that's, uh, there are, there are no words. I mean, there's really like not. I said, it's I so just... weird. It's so weird. He's been such a massive part of like my movie viewing life yeah. the past few years. I genuinely feel like I've watched him so much. I feel I feel this hit like 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 I lost a friend, which sounds yeah. ridiculous. I mean, I I understand it sounds ridiculous, but this was a really hard one. He's going to be so deeply missed. So deeply missed. I mean, the world yeah. has legit... I mean, they haven't just lost, like, a fictional superhero. He is a legit superhero. And it's this is going to be one that, that we feel for a long, long time. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Oh, Chadwick Boseman. That was horrible. Um, Let's move on with the yeah. episode we have we have other things we have things we're going to yeah. talk about right yeah. okay so errors and omissions from last week this i have a mulan update in this section all right it, it's definitely it's not an error it's not an omission um but i, I don't know this kind of just feels like something that that came up and it <laughs> and it's worth updating this is i mean this is a new world so right the, like yeah. this type of stuff is ever evolving like, I mean, by the time we published our, our previous update on this, like, I think that night, Dude, we that about night. The, it, it totally, you know, they, they went from, oh, we're not going to push this out to, oh, wait, we're pushing this out and it's going to cost you 30 bucks. So, um, well, I, I think feel like we little... can't have a rewind episode now without talking about Mulan. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. So I think, I think maybe we've gotten a little bit more clarity, maybe, um, or maybe not. I don't, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, there is, I can, <laughs> there's already a big question mark I have and we have, right. we've talked about it. So, but that just sets us up to have it in the fourth rewind in a row. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, but we did get a new update since our last rewind episode on what the deal is with the, uh, crazy expensive Mulan debut on Disney plus that's coming up September 4th. So it seems that now we had thought for a while and, and it seemed like what was going to happen. It was the $30 rental fee. It was unclear how long that would give you access for. Is it 24 hours, 48 hours? Who knows, right? But it was definitely clear it was a rental fee, not a purchase, etc. It seems that now, once you pay that $30 fee, so again, assuming you're already a subscriber, you're paying the seven bucks, you are a subscriber to Disney Plus. Seven bucks, eight bucks, I forget what it is. So it seems that now once you pay the $30 fee, you will actually have access to the movie for as long as you are a Disney Plus subscriber. So it will not, once you pay the 30 bucks, you have access to the movie as long as your subscription is active. So that seems to be a bit like Disney trying to sort of meet folks a little bit more in the middle. Uh, basically, rather than giving people the option to rent or buy the movie for $30 across any platform, it seems that they're definitely using this as an opportunity to gain and maintain subscribers as well. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think even given all that, the $30 still feels steep. If anything, I think it still should have only been $20 at most along with the subscription fee. But this... This does cause me some concern, right? Yeah. Like, as I've yeah. thought about it a little bit more since reading this, the precedence, I don't know. Disney is saying this; they see this as a one-off, 
But there's no such thing as a one-off. What it is is a trial. And, and if it works, where do we go from there? I'm certainly not paying a Disney Plus subscription to then also within that have premium pay-per-view fees to just like uh, what am i paying here and and again i i understand this is a one i'm sort of extrapolating it out but let's say that this is a model that disney adopts moving forward with all of their features right sure. and maybe throughout covid but maybe beyond and, and and the the situation is am i am i now paying seven like a seven dollar maintenance fee every month for access to a digital library that then i also pay for each of the movies within that that's bs right, right? i have a library of movies i'll just pay the 30 bucks and get the the blu-ray yeah you know it's well, i feel like it's a slippery slope and it makes me crazy nervous well and beyond that so okay great you get it for in perpetuity as long as you keep your disney plus like you said right you're gonna get this access so is it never going to be available just generally on the Disney Plus right. platform then? Like, uh, can I just keep paying my $7 a month and wait it out for four years? Is that not a thing? Because if that's not a thing, again, go buy the Blu-ray for, you know, I'm sure that'll be less than $30 unless they're going to package that for $35. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. Uh, well, even I, with a movie, right, confusing. even if it had released in the theaters, there's a there's a span of months that goes and then you can go buy the movie and then you own yeah. it. And right. This is this is what we're used to now with Disney Plus. Sure. Maybe you charge the 30 bucks, but then in 12 months, six months, when I, I don't know, it will become available digitally to all the subscribers or whatever. And, yeah. and people paid a premium. People paid thirty dollars to have six months of access before anybody else. Fine. Sure. And. Maybe that determinate period of time gives you some value. Okay, so maybe you say thirty bucks is worth the six months. Is thirty bucks worth four weeks? That exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you what, it's definitely. I mean, again, it, this is not something that I'm going to make a habit of. Like, yeah. do not. Yeah. If they do this, this will be for me. It, it'll be a death blow for for Disney subscriptions and, and things like that. Like, I'm not going to pay a monthly fee. And have to then pay thirty dollars to access movies for X amount of time. Um, it's you know, uh, I don't, I don't know. It, it like I said, it feels slippery. But I mean, at the end of the day, it, it you're absolutely right. Uh, and we see this across the board right now in entertainment. I mentioned it earlier in baseball with doing the double headers uh, for seven innings. Baseball has kind of slipped in a bunch of stuff into the season under the guise of like oh, we just got to get in as many games as possible to make this season worth it. So we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Stuff that's been talked around, you know, in the ether for years. Hmm. And then at the end of the season, they can be like, oh, this really worked, right? Or, and, you know, kind of gauge whether or not. And Disney's doing it with their parks, too. They they were interviewed recently. The VP of the parks rolled out some stuff to get through COVID. And now they're kind of like, well, this is kind of stuff we've been thinking about anyway. It might stick around post-COVID. So it's like, you know, you can float these little trial balloons. And when they don't work, reel it back in and say, oh, yeah, we tried it. It didn't work. And when it does work, you can kind of be like, oh, no, yeah, we've been planning this for a while. I'm glad, yeah, we just, so, yeah. We're all guinea pigs. <laughs> I mean, it's, end up being, uh, it's so true. I, well, I guess it's working to an extent with me anyway. I'm announcing yeah. now that while as a <laughs> consumer, I, I definitely want to boycott 
paying this price to access Mulan. I it's it's just not a precedence I want to set, and I, and I don't yeah. want to give them the satisfaction of hey guys, look, we made all this money, but. I am the host of a movie podcast, and as a movie podcast host, I feel like it is my duty to take the blow <laughs> for you, the fans. So I- I'm going to shell out the, the cash uh, September 4th so that we can watch and review Mulan here and let you guys know if it's worth the investment or not, keeping tabs on sort of what the plan is for this moving forward, and, and then we can yeah. kind of assess it as we go. My plan is to do a quick post on Instagram about whether or not it's just worth the the, the rental and then we'll do a more thorough review of the movie itself in our uh, in our future rewind episode yeah um I, it pains me like and it was actually it was my wife my wife was like this is this is your job like you have to pay this money and watch this movie don't be an idiot but again totally understands like i mean i get it you know, as a yep. as a casual movie watcher, which I mean we are, but it's like you know, yeah. as just a as a lay person, <laughs> I, I never would, I never would. But you yeah. know, I don't know, it, and it it pisses me off, it pains me to do it, but I feel like we must take one for the team. Yeah, yeah, it's what we do, Tim. It's what, it's we, what we do. do. Yeah, we serve. Yep. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on from Mulan and uh, the rage I feel for being about to spend this money on it and move into a something new that we're trying. <laughs> we're, yeah. I like that we're, we're like beating down on all these trial things. Oh, let's see if they're into it. It's literally what we do every week. <laughs> um, let's post this and see who nibbles. Uh, all right, so we're we're trying a new bit, uh, and it's called "Can We Convince Tim?" I can already hear. I can hear a little jingle. We need to get we need to get in touch with some musical people. We yeah, need someone we need to a, write us little uh, little segment little, themes. Yeah, if we need a little sting right here, right? Yeah. Kinda... Can we convince Tim? You know, like I just <laughs> I totally see it. Um, man, I might I just need to do get it. Like uh, one of those keyboards that, uh, if you're a Bob's Burgers fan, we need a Gene Belcher type to kind of pull out some, <laughs> you know, some dog barks and a fart, maybe. I don't know. Yes, <laughs> yes. I know. I have this big fancy mixer. I'm sure there's a way to make this thing do what we want. All right. So, can we convince Tim? So, at the end of last week's episode, the deep dive episode, I mentioned that we were going to introduce this new segment so we can force Tim, and by we, I mean me, force Tim and those of you foolish enough to do what I say uh, to watch movies that he's been avoiding to see if we can convince him that it is something that, uh, even though he thinks it's not something that's for him, it really is. Yeah. I also mentioned last week that we're going to be starting with a series of Batman animated movies. And this week's inaugural installment was Batman Year One. Okay. So, oh, and also, uh, if you didn't catch it on the last episode, if you haven't watched it yet, Batman Year One, uh, available now through HBO Max or through renting and, and that kind of stuff. Brief synopsis and what it is. So Batman, it's self-explanatory, right? It's sort of, it's not quite an origin story. Um, It is Batman in the first year of his Batman career, of Batmanning, right? Mm -hmm. Um, He sort of, he comes back to, it, it opens up with him coming back to Gotham after being away, we don't know where, we don't know what. Um, at the same time, simultaneously, uh, Gordon, Lieutenant Gordon at this point, is also 
of starting his career in Gotham. He's been a cop. He's been a detective other places. You know, you, we figure out, we get a little bit of insight into what brought him to Gotham. But both of these key characters find themselves together here in Gotham, kind of learning how to navigate their perspective paths. Now, the reason I chose this one it's not, and I'm going to make it clear right now, I'm not saying this is the best, because it isn't, mm-hmm. right? If this is, if there's a top five, this is definitely number five, you know, and that's, that's of just this arc, right? I would probably even put it a little bit lower than a few of the other ones that are a little bit more deep dives into like a very niche part of the story. But the reason I chose it is that the overall, I don't know. So again, the overall idea of a top five and then also kind of following a Joker arc and included in, including some origins. I think what this movie does amazingly well is it, first of all, it sort of, it starts to um, redefine a darker tone for the character and the storylines. I think it does a really good job of showing you sort of the, the grounding roots of Batman, but also Gordon just sort of how how their starts would later affect them moving forward. Um, in the case of Batman, and we'll get to at the end of this run uh, of these five films that I'm going to have Tim watch, you know, it's a long career, right? And it, and it wears and it tears and it does these things. But more than anything else, it also does a really great job of showing the relationship between Gordon and Batman how it starts to come together and then the certain events that really intertwine these two characters in a way that it makes it believable down the road that the commissioners, you know, down eventually he'll be the commissioner, how the commissioner would rely, trust and, and respect and appreciate this vigilante and the way that he operates. Um, Just given this, this beginning and and the things that happen between them it establishes that trust it establishes that relationship in a way that will carry you through any of the ones that you watch and i think that it does this better than anything else i've ever seen before um Mm -hmm. i think it also kind of serves dual purpose in that it does give you a bit of an origin without sort of beating you over the head with it it's not just your typical boring thing rehashing the general premise that we all know and understand it touches on those things it it it, it accepts that people know bruce wayne's parents were killed in halley now he's batman and it just you know it, it sort of i don't know it just accentuates those things and uh, and sort of brings it all ties it together really well and just sets the stage for what's to come I think that's why it's so good. I think it does it really well. I think the voice acting is atrocious. I think everyone seems like they're like underwater or drugged up or something because everything's just a little bit slow and a little bit heavy. Um, you know, nothing with any real. I don't know. It it, seem, it sounds a bit off, but if you if you just pay attention to the story, to the writing, and to what's going on with these characters, it's really it's really great. It's a really great start. What did you think, yeah. Tim? What did yeah. you think? All righty. So I'm gonna. <laughs> I think since we're going with an arc on this, right? The jury is gonna is gonna stay out. Interesting. For the okay. Because. 
what I'm really intrigued by is a lot of what you just said about the origin story, right? So you, you, you say Batman year one. I had a fairly certain idea what I was in for. Oh, it's going to be Batman. We're going to see the beginning. You know, his. we're going to maybe get some flashbacks, but we're going to pick up at when he becomes Batman and we're going to see him training. We're going to, you know, we're going to get the gadgets and the wizardry and, you know, all this kind of fun stuff. And we're going to have a montage and then he's going to be Batman and he's going to fight his first big bat. This movie's almost not really about Batman. Correct. <laughs> like, so calling it Batman year one it's 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 an interesting take because all of that stuff you know about batman is is just taken for granted in this which is actually really well done because that has been kind of the 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 issue that we've had a lot recently i know like with some of the spider-man movies people are like oh we're gonna do the spider-man thing again or anytime we go to a reboot we're like, oh, okay, we're going to slog through a first ep- a first movie of the basics, right? Peter Parker gets bit by a spider, blah, blah, blah. Um, but at this point, Batman's just ubiquitous, right? Like, in, in, like I've never, you know, I, I, I watched the, the Christopher Nolan series. I remember very, very little about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, maybe I finished it. I don't remember. Um <laughs> that's crazy like i know um my biggest exposure would be the original tv series i loved the original tv series batman 66 uh, adam west oh yeah Yeah. adam west and burt ward like i loved that show as a kid um so that's my main exposure to batman and then my weird repeated viewing of uh batman forever which somebody gave me as a birthday present when i was in fourth grade that is weird yeah that is my Batman like world, but I know enough where I'm like, okay, I'm actually not disappointed that this is an, a nitty gritty ground up, you know, Oh, here's Batman building a batarang and, you know, working on the Batmobile and getting grease all over his face. Like that, that's not what this is about. And again, that takes a back seat to what really ends up being Gordon's story throughout this entire movie. For sure. Um, and, it was really kind of it was fun in that way because exactly like you said you're like oh they're kind of cut from the same cloth in the end like they don't have the same motive necessarily with batman going out for revenge but they are ultimately good guys right they're out there to avenge gordon starts off he's like i can't believe i'm in this you know crappy city i'm about to have a kid you know like i'm or maybe have a kid if it opens we don't know if his wife is pregnant he actually says i hope she's not pregnant because she's flying out here it's his first day joining the, the the fourth force in gotham and he's just not looking forward to this and instantaneously we realize all the cops are bad that he's working with like his partner is on the take um you know beats beats a guy up on the corner you're not sure why initially you kind of realize later on that by the end what what that's all about um but they're kind of they're again cut from the same cloth um they're both out to kind of clean things up so um that evolution they will work hand in hand together like very very well because ultimately they want the, the same thing right they want a clean gotham city so that was really interesting. I, that was what drove me. And so, like, you get the Batman parts, right? And yeah, Batman's not necessarily himself yet, right? Like, you have some doubts. Like, he gets stuck in the one big battle. You're like, 
well, I mean, I think he's going to make it out of this because, I mean, there's more to come, right? Yeah. But, like, he's not, like, Batman yet, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and I, that was really, again, I, I think I really appreciated that. Um, not only that, but you also couple this with the fact that uh, my wife was kind of watching some of the end of it with me. Um, she was like, this is a kid's thing? And I was like, no, no, no. Like, yeah. This is this is this is not. <laughs> She's like, but it's a cartoon, and I was like, I... so we had, you had the whole discussion about you know, like cartoons cartoon doesn't mean kids. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, especially with something like a superhero movie, I I kind of maybe had that in my head too that this is a kids thing, and I know better than that. I mean, when our last rewind, we talked about uh, Grave of the Fireflies, right? Um, Frank's done some stuff on Instagram about uh, Love, Death, and Robots with all the animation and stuff in there. I love Bob's Burgers, and you know I, I've watched a lot of the other um, Studio Ghibli movies. Like, um, so again, that naivety of like, oh, it's a kids thing. It's not. I mean, there are some deep things going on here. There's some questionable characters. Um, you know, for our money, we get. Uh, a bit of a Catwoman origin kind of rolled up in this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and her kind of animosity towards Batman builds pretty quick um, in this. Um, and where she comes from is pretty seedy. And so it just, uh, there's a lot rolled up into 64 minutes worth of movie. Um, and that's that, the other thing. It's not a heavy lift, but it is no. jam packed. And you're abs- yeah. and I think you're nailing it too in the sense that uh, the point that this is making is nobody in this world is wholly good or wholly bad. And the line that separates the good guys from the bad guys is razor thin. You know, in this case, right? So we have Gordon, the goody-goody, whatever, but he's an adulterer. And then you have Batman, who is trying to clean up the streets, but he does that by breaking people's bones to get them to do the things that the cops can't force them to do, right? And so with, with... and, and and I think that's what it does beautifully is that this movie forces the heroes to face and, and accept their shortcomings and their failures and the things that make them flawed and broken, which allows through through a series of events, allows these two specific characters, Batman uh-huh. and Commissioner Gordon to come together in a way that they can understand each other. Right. Gordon can look at Batman and say the way you do things is not perfect and it's wrong but i see why you do it um and then and because he can he can juxtapose that to his own life and say i do the best i can with what i have but i'm still a flawed person i think it's a great opening act i think and and you're absolutely right this is a this is a scene setter and and not having or a stage setter and and not having the sort of background and all that um you know, I, I can totally see why, you know, you know the, the bigger picture will definitely influence a final rating yeah. or decision here. But yeah. having seen it, is it, can you, can you see, just yes or no, can you see this being something that could be something you get into? Or is it like, man, we still got to, we still have a, a large hill to climb, right? <laughs> so um, did we convince tim it's are we convincing tim (laughs) we're we're getting there because i think what you had when you had said like hey this is not the best because it does suffer from 
like the voice acting just doesn't give you a lot of drive to yeah. it, right? It does work up towards the end, kind of the, the climactic scene. Um, did get the blood up a little bit, and you're like, oh, okay, there's some stakes here. There's a mm-hmm. scene with, with Gordon and his baby, and just the kind of things that unfold there. You're like, ugh. And even the scene where you're like, is Batman going to get out of this? It's like, this is a cartoon. Why do I care this much? Right? <laughs> it's not... Um, See, it's so funny because everything you're saying is exactly what makes these so good. Yeah. And I think the final thing that I, I really did like, just to kind of close the, the loop on it, um, for this type of story, kind of the bullet point storytelling, right? That they do it calendar-wise, like October 5th, and then yes. there's five or so minutes of what happened that day. And then we jump forward, and you kind of feel it you know, move pretty quick that way. Um, but that also works to kind of set that table. So I think... As a as a starter, um, I think coming in with a, the little knowledge I had didn't hurt. I do struggle. I think like what you said with with the, just the voice acting doesn't compel you. Um, I was super tired, so I did have to turn it off and take a nap kind of halfway through because I was like, I'm, and Batman's kinda... voice in this one will lull you to sleep. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, oh, I can't do this. It's not fair. So I did I did kind of turn it off and come back um, after I had a good <laughs> good nap. So. Um, I definitely, I, I would say I'm not dreading moving on with this project at all, right? Nice. Um, yeah. So that's, that. yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see. I, you know, it's one of those things where I feel like there's going to be a diamond in the rough here. Um, and if I, you know, watched um, Batman Forever as much as I did, I'm sure I can stick it out through through this. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, that's good. I We'll take that. We'll take that. So, so far... We're not sure if we've convinced him, but he's not dreading the project. Um, (laughs) All right. So for the next rewind, I think we're going to change it up a little bit. And I'm going to have Tim watch two animated movies. A, so that, you know, because they're short. And then B, Mm -hmm. we don't want this to drag out too much. And C, I think that uh, it will help the previous movies sort of stay fresh in your mind. Because, you know, they really do build on each other. So the the faster we can kind of watch them, uh, the the better it'll be, I think. Um, So for the next installment of Can We Convince Tim, we're going to watch Batman The Killing Joke and Batman Under the Red Hood, both of which are available on HBO Max. And I'll post all this stuff on Instagram as well so that people know where we're heading. So we're going to do those next two for the next episode. And then we'll see yeah. where we stand and if we can convince Tim. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's uh, let's jump in really quick, do some like super fast uh, reviews of a couple of things here uh, that we've yeah. been watching, you know, besides binging Chadwick Boseman movies mm-hmm. uh, since Friday night. Um, but we have tried to get through a few other things. And the first one I wanted to talk about was Greyhound on Apple TV Plus with uh, mm-hmm. Tom Hanks. So overall, I really liked this one. Um, it tells the story of a naval commander played by Tom Hanks who is tasked with leading an allied convoy across the Atlantic and protecting them from the German submarines hunting them down. Hanks wrote the screenplay, which is based on the novel The Good Shepherd by C.S. Forrester. 
it is not based on a true story per se, um, as the characters in it are not really based on real people, but the events themselves are based on sort of an amalgam of various experiences faced by the U.S. Navy during the Battle of the Atlantic, which they say is like the longest battle of the war. It's essentially, it, it was the span of the U.S. involvement in World War II where yep. we were leading these convoys across the Atlantic. You know, we talked about this a little bit in the Batman bit, but what I loved about this movie is that it doesn't pander, right? Yeah. The action feels real. The commands feel real. They don't waste any time at all with any exposition or explaining, you know, much of, of what each and every little thing means. Instead, they just really let you learn during the course of the film and trust, you know, they trust us, the viewer, to sort of follow along and pick it up, which is yeah brilliant you know it reminds me a lot of a clockwork orange if you read the book a clockwork orange it's basically written in another language there's yeah. a glossary in the back with all these like future slang terms and what they mean so like the first couple chapters i remember just constantly flipping back and forth trying, what what by you know chapter five or six or whatever you're just reading it like you are fluent in the language now. Um, yeah. And this movie kind of felt like that too. They're just sort of shouting out things at each other. And at first it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense, but by the second act, you're, you're just yeah. in it, which, and I think why it's so brilliant is that it adds a level of authenticity that you rarely see in war films. It made it so much more engaging. It just like, I, I felt like I was an active participant rather than just a passive viewer, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I, um, this this movie really kept me at a high level. There's not much room for breath. Like you yes. are right along with um, Hanks's character. I mean, it from feels like real beginning. time. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I, I, they one of the metrics that they use because by the time this is over is the first time he sits down like yes. he doesn't he's on command from the minute this movie starts and um something there's two kind of things that you see play out um that kind of keep that real-time element um one is he ends up changing like into his slippers towards the end because his feet are so raw and bloody oh, when he steps being... out and there's blood on the yes yeah I, it just you know he's it's been raw it's been cold it's been wet and he's wearing these you know, terrible boots on the steel floor um and then the ma the amount of times that they serve him food food meals that he, he never, skips yeah and he just ends up on the floor because of you know the the, the ocean and the battle and um and he just he subsists off a of coffee i mean you just feel that um and it just it is unlike a, any other war movie. I think we sort of said that with 1917, exploring a, a, a war that maybe, at least coming at it from a film perspective, is a little less explored. You know, mm -hmm. it's not the American Civil War. It's not World War II. It's not D-Day. It's not Pearl Harbor. Um, this is kind of an element of a, a war film that I've never seen played out, right? right? And something that I have very, very little knowledge of how how these naval battles work. And it was absolutely terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Couldn't agree more. This is, right, this isn't storming the beaches at Normandy. This isn't Iwo Jima. This is, you know, this is a part of the war that I had never heard of, let alone yeah. seen on film. Um, yeah, it was It was wild. It was wild. It, it was so tense for, for exactly those reasons. And, and at times, like, helpless. 
right? Yes. Like just this, they're fighting these submarines that they can't see except for, you know, um, relying on this um, kind of infant technology and like the radar and stuff. And when the radar was freezing up and slowing down because of the conditions and, you know, they're trying to navigate and boats are getting picked off, but then just the way that they can maneuver these ships, uh, it, it was, it was truly mind blowing. And really. the moments where you have to choose, right? It's like, yes. try to save these people knowing at the expense of this ship or save this ship at the expense of... There's so many of these moments that you just feel in it. Um, yeah. You know, I also really like Tanks' character, Captain Kraus, mm -hmm. and how they chose to portray him as a Christian. You know, yeah. again, it was wholly unexpected. Hanks doesn't really have, like, a track record um, as having that be a trait of the characters that he portrays. Um which, given that he wrote this, made it doubly interesting. I mean, not having read the book, I'm sure it's a key element there that Hanks chose to maintain. All I'm trying to get at is it's, it was unexpected, but like a really pleasant surprise. And I yeah. think it pays off huge. It's a massive thematic element. Yeah, I mean, again, that's not something we see a lot in war movies, right? right. It's it's um, We see it a lot of times as like, the enemy is a bad guy. He is a villain, right? And he is not a person. He is a villain. And we're going to kill him. I'll be damned. You know, it, it, get him. And he feels the weight of all of his decisions and understands mm -hmm. that when they sink that U-boat, they just killed X amount of, of, of people, of men. Like, he says that, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there, there's, like, the weight of humanity is not lost on him. And he understands, too, that his adversaries are doing what they feel is, you know, it's not like the, it's right. not a really, it's like a, not a Nazi thing, right. In this movie, it's like they're young men, like he has on his ship that are, are doing what, you know, fighting for their country. Um, and there's, there's not a lot of human element to establish his character in this movie. There's some, you know, a couple scenes with, with a love interest kind of uh, open up the movie, but it's the one thing that really actually humanizes him. And he's not just this killing machine, right? He's mm -hmm. not just this force to be reckoned with. He's a man and he's struggling under the weight of these decisions. And I really felt that that kind of, brought the human connection into him by having those those his character have that trait for sure yeah no i absolutely agree I, I will say there are a few minor things that i didn't like which were kind of we're touching on them now a bit so the german u-boat bad guy and uh, and elizabeth yeah. shu and her character who is the yeah. love interest right and only mainly just because the love story element just felt really crammed in at the beginning. And in truth, mm -hmm. it made very little sense to me, right? Yeah. They both seemed much older. It seemed like there's a story there. I was interested. I was curious, but it's just never really explained. They're not married, but he's right. he's obviously an older guy. He's dating this older girl. She She also just didn't really seem very interested in him. Like yeah. it almost played at the beginning, like he was waiting to meet her and she was going to come to break up or something like that. Or it just, it, the whole thing just felt very weird and it mm -hmm. felt off and not fully flushed out. And that's not necessarily to say like we needed to spend a ton more time on it or whatever, but it just, 
I don't know. It just something felt off about it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, awkward at best. So, you know, I think the what they were trying to do there wasn't fully successful. Yeah. Um, and I think in terms of the German U-boat captain, I absolutely hated the trash talking part. Yeah. Right. So, like, first of all, in you, you're setting up this movie, like I said, that doesn't pander. It feels very authentic. It feels very real. You know, the commands are all legit. And then all of a sudden, you have this U-boat captain who gets on the radio, like constantly breaking the radio silence to be like, "Oh, I am the wolf, and I am going to haunt you." And like, you know, and in no universe would that ever have happened right for like a submarine to break radio silence while an active you know or actively being pursued or actively pursuing somebody like you legit can't fart on a sub without a destroyer (laughs) hearing it right so it's like i don't know it just felt like a cheap way like what you were saying it felt like a cheap way to villainize the germans um you know, I, I, to be honest, guess what? They're Nazis, right? Like yeah, right, our right. hatred for Nazis automatically triggers by default when you're yeah. setting this in World War II. So, you know, and I think if anything else, I, I think it was also meant to kind of build up Hanks's character as like he cares about the lives he's taking, whereas mm-hmm. the bad Germans don't. And I don't think that's true. There's, yeah. you know, when you're watching um, Band of Brothers, you know, hindsight, right, being what it is, but like when you're watching of brothers and you hear these soldiers talking about you know we realize that in another world we could have been good friends they like hunting uh, right and so i don't know it just felt like this it it made them just feel like the mighty ducks to team iceland or something you know what i'm saying it was just really cheap and crappy and i and it felt fully unbelievable and it took me out of the movie almost completely but you know whatever yeah i mean because at the end of the day what i mean I don't know, from a practical standpoint, oh, what are they going to do, turn around and run home? Like, I just, that talking... <laughs> oh, that's scary. Oh, that wolf is scary. Uh, We're leaving. I I'm going to jump overboard. I, I don't... Uh, yeah, I, it, it it was weird. I just, it, wholly unnecessary. Oh, I hated it. You know, like, that tension is already there. Oh, um, God, you didn't need any more tension. <laughs> I know. I could just hear his stupid voice the whole time. <laughs> Uh, the wolf is hungry. <laughs> when he's howling, what a terror. Oh, God, that was stupid. Um, definitely a part. If that's in the book, it's certainly a part I would have cut <laughs> from the <laughs> screenplay. Um, but you know what? In the end, there was way more good than bad in this one. Yeah. It is a powerful, tense, beautifully executed film with those two minor exceptions. Um, and at the end, I give it a, I give it a seven and a half out of ten, and I think it's a must-watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I think ultimately I see why it's a streaming movie. Um, I don't think you would have necessarily done anything with this in a theatrical release movie theater wise. Agreed. Um, but uh, it was definitely uh, it was uh, for you know having the Apple Plus free subscription. I was I was really really pleasantly surprised and happy with it. So I, I definitely yeah. agree with the seven uh, seven five for sure. Awesome. All right. So this next one, I think I only watched. So I'll just tear through this one. Yeah. So I watched an American pickle on HBO max. So this is, uh, this one is uh, a max exclusive and it tells the story of Herschel Greenbaum who falls into a pickle vat and is preserved in brine for a hundred years, wakes up in the present day where he is uh, united with his last surviving relative, his great grandson, Ben, uh, both of these characters, played by Seth Rogen. 
So, so that kind of sets the stage a bit. Um, okay. Again, I'll keep this one short. I thought it was pretty good. There were some definite real highlights. It uh, it, unra- it unravels quite a bit as you approach the third act. Um, and the ending is a little blah on this movie. But, you know, overall has a decent message about family and such. And I, and I genuinely liked Seth Rogen in this, both as Herschel and Ben. Actually, I think I liked him a lot as Herschel. It is, you know, it's, it's one of those movies where he's playing both characters. Sometimes they're on screen at the same time, that kind of thing. So that's always kind of fun to watch, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. partly kind of catching when the body double and just watching the face not quite show, um, right. you know, that kind of stuff. You know, so it's, it's inherently fun. It is, it is funny. And there's definite scenes, right? There's some really great, thoughtful comedy. Um, and most of that those moments serve a genuine purpose. Uh, there's a scene where they explain how Herschel was preserved. It's probably one of the funniest things I've seen in a while. It was so spot on. Like he he falls he falls in this vet. The vet gets closed, and people just walk away from it for a hundred years. And then when he wakes up and, and comes back, there's a scene where he's sitting at this table in front of all these reporters with these doctors. And and the doctor's like, well, he was preserved perfectly in brine for a hundred years. And every reporter, as the doctor's saying it, I can feel my face just making that face of what? And then every reporter in the audience makes the exact same face. And one of them's just like, uh, what? Like, how does that make any sense? Please explain the science behind that. And then, <laughs> and then it cuts to the doctors. And as he's starting to talk, Herschel has this internal monologue that plays over all and he just is like and then the doctors explained everything and it made everyone understand <laughs> it made perfect sense and then it cuts back and like time has passed and the reporter's like oh perfect yeah i totally get that but it was <laughs> but it's so good because it's a genuinely funny moment but it, it also just it keeps the story moving right yeah. in in a movie like this where we can get caught up in whatever time travel or Mm -hmm. or being preserved in ice or brine or whatever the situation may be it just reminds you of like this isn't the point of the movie right let's just it is what it is let's move on and get to the meat here and it does that and it does that well and there is good substance there um I don't know. It's it's got a really lean runtime. It's almost exactly 90 minutes. Again, another one that is definitely meant for a streamer and it is at home on HBO Max. Yeah. And uh, it, but it's not a huge investment. If you already have Max, it's free. You know, all of these things kind of play into it as well. Uh, and with all that, I think it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, I give it a six out of ten. You know, I think it's Interesting. yeah, it's it's different. It's different than than the types of things you're necessarily used to seeing Seth Rogen in. And I think I think it shows some genuine range. I I enjoyed it. I almost kind of want to try HBO Max just to just to kind of check it out because it dude there is some good love life anna kendrick's we talked about it in one of the earlier episodes yeah yeah. it's fantastic there there is starting to become some real value to hbo max interesting something to keep an eye on yeah 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 um all right so the last one i wanted to kind of touch on real quick mainly because this one was sort of a request is uh it's a netflix series called down to earth with zach efron um 
So this one actually comes from my wife, Alyssa. She asked me to watch this and discuss it on the <laughs> next Rewind episode. So Alyssa, promise kept, box checked. That's, that's <laughs> funny because uh, this is actually one that my wife has watched that I have not. And I know a little bit about it just because she found uh, pieces of it really interesting and kind of shared a bunch with me. But I have not gotten background of watching it myself so uh yeah i've kind of been intrigued for sure so. so this one's interesting um it's a travel log with zach efron so travel if you don't know what a travel log is it's 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 those shows where someone travels the globe and is you know it's kind of a docuseries type thing and maybe they're you know like anthony bourdain famously had his travel log you know parts unknown and all these other ones go and trying food whatever so this is a travel log with Zac Efron and his buddy Darren Olean, and together they travel the globe highlighting key ways that nations are working to live healthier, more sustainable lives. For example, they learn about Paris's initiative to eliminate single-use plastics by providing citizens with free still and sparkling water at fountains throughout the city, um, things like that. They witness the aftermath of uh, Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico and how climate change is making island life in the Caribbean more dangerous. They learn about blue zones, which are handfuls of areas in the world with the highest concentration of centenarians or people who um, you know live to be 100 or more. And, you know, what they're doing differently to live so long. You know, they kind of touch on all these, like, random little things. Yeah. And I got to say, the first episode, which is Iceland, is absolutely terrible. I watched that one. I was totally out. I thought it was boring. I thought Efron was just way too much of a bro for me to, like, take him seriously at all. <laughs> you know, but as the episodes go on, I find that he really does find a groove and, and starts to you know, point and highlight the experts, you know, and, and just shines the light on them, the people who are literally doing nothing short of saving the world. And and like you were saying, some of the episodes are truly fascinating and just yeah. how they make you think. And even it just so happens that things play out where the last episode really drives the point home because the last episode is being filmed during the raging fires in California where mm -hmm. their homes are and and it affects them personally and and I won't spoil anything but you know it, it's just you know it I think I think with that in mind and everything else like it's just exactly what we need it does a great job of calling out how we need to do our part and adapt in new ways and change the way that we think about things to help turn the tide and in some cases you know just to even survive the effects of the damage that we've yeah. already done you know yeah I, it's if if we're not going to or slash if it's too late to make any kind of reversible effect progress <laughs> for lack of a better term um it's just that idea that's been stuck in my head for a while of you know hurricanes keep hitting x why do we rebuild there maybe that's a sign that we need to to move on or figure out different ways to build things or yeah. you know it, it's it's a lot of that um of just like okay that adaptation um so just putting that in people's brains that like yeah okay we've done this for a hundred years but maybe we need to look at better ways of doing it or, you know what other forms of renewable energy can we make headway on or things like that so anything that gets you know these ideas out there and it can inspire people i mean 
uh, just get ideas from other places and see what works. You know, maybe we can, you know, get some kind of groundswell. So I think anything that can get people interested in it, um, in this kind of line of thinking is, is never going to hurt for sure. And that's mirrored in a lot of the episodes. There's for the one, you know, in, uh, in Puerto Rico stands out to me because they, they ask him to sign this wall that people who have come to help after Maria have signed. And he's like, what did I do? I haven't done anything. I'm just here. And, and she, you know, she makes the point of like, you are the, the governor. She says, you are shining a light on this which is hugely important. Like people, I don't, I don't know. It is, it, it ends up being really good. You know, I, I, yeah. it's really poignant and thoughtful. It, it's genuinely fascinating. And, and I definitely think it's a must watch with the exception of episode one. You could probably skip that one, but I give <laughs> it, I give it an eight out of 10. Like it is, it's surprisingly good. It's surprisingly good. And it really changed how I thought about things for sure. The centenary, yeah. the blue zones one alone, it was, it was fast. Like these people living these insanely long lives and, yeah. and, you know, and one of the things they look at is diet. You know, they have a high carb, yes. high vegetable diet, but low proteins. And Zach Efron has this moment of like, for the last, you know, 10, 15 years, I've been on a massively high protein diet. You know, he's, we all know what he looks like. He's like chiseled yeah. from God's own marble. And so right. like, you know, it, it, it just, it, it's amazing what this show does to, to sort of change the way you look at things and, and it's also frustrating because you see so many places kind of starting to get it right and just how yeah. far behind we are, um, especially right now. So anyway, like I said, it's a great show and it, and I think it's a must, must watch. Uh, eight out yeah. of ten. Let's wrap up. Yeah. Listener questions and requests. We actually got one. We got a request Ooh. from Brian Foxworth on Instagram asking us to watch the platform. So we haven't done this yet, and but I wanted to I wanted to bring it out there so he knows we got it and he knows that we're gonna do it. We're one hundred percent gonna watch and review this as part of our Netflix top ten review. Um, which is going to be one of our next Rewind episodes. So in the next one or two, um, we're going to watch all the Netflix top 10, and I'm pretty sure this one's on that list. So we're going to hold off and save this for that episode. Um, But definitely thank you, Brian, so much for the request. We are super, super excited to do it. Um, And uh, and it, it is happening. In the next episode or two, it is happening. And I got a, I got a bunch in my pocket too, just um, from a, a coworker, former coworker uh, group that has been kind of <laughs> getting me through quarantine. Um, one of our, one of also your former coworker, Frank, uh, Aaron uh, has uh, given, has recommended a bunch of horror movies. She's like, Hey, any horror fans? We started talking about Dr. Sleep in our last episode. And so she shot a bunch over with her kind of own personal rating system about what things contain and how she felt about them. So I definitely have a couple of horror movies in the pocket. Um, uh, you know, maybe I'll save those to do one, uh, an episode once we get into, you know, Halloween season or something yes. like that. But I, but I've got some coming from, uh, a friend of mine as well. So we'll, we'll see, uh, we'll see how those pan out. Dude, well. I'm so excited for the month of October. October. I, yeah! s- I smell bonus episodes in our future. As I'm sitting around surrounded by things that I've already bought uh, at Michael's for my Halloween. I got some bats. And, um, Frank and I have also been down in some Halloween candy over the last couple of weeks already. Yes, so, but still within uh, my points, guys. Yeah, still within go. my points. <laughs> so, um, 
Awesome. I'm I'm super excited. Uh, All right. So next week is a deep dive episode. We are going to try something we haven't done since episode one. We're going to take a deep dive into John Wick. While we're going to focus primarily on the first film, we are also going to discuss the two sequels and sort of the overall lore that they've tried to weave. Um, So like we did with It, where we did parts one and two together in one, we're going to kind of look at the franchise as a whole and just sort of zero in and focus in on on sort of the good and the bad. Um, Yeah. So to watch John Wick, unfortunately, you're going to have to rent it. Um, But if you don't already own this one, something's wrong with you. And uh, John Wick Chapter 2 is available now through cable subscriptions. So like Xfinity On Demand or through Hulu if you have it linked to live TV that you pay for somewhere else. However, it's probably going to be the TV edit. So you may want to rent that one as well. But if you don't mind the TV edit and a little bit of differences, you can watch it for free. And John Wick Chapter 3 is available on HBO. So if you have HBO Max or if you have an HBO subscription, you can watch it there through Go or Now or whatever. Otherwise, join us next week and let us help you decide which ones we think are worth the time and money. If you don't want to watch them first, I guess is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's it. I think that wraps us up tonight. Yeah. Um, there's uh, there's, a, there's a lot going on there. Um, yeah, lots, um, lots to digest. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Just you know, like we said at the top, and every day is not a given. And do the best you can with what you got at the moment. Mm. Um, I've kind of been going with this idea that I want to be able to look back, especially on this quarantine time, and be satisfied with what I've done during this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has now be, this has become a big part of it. Um, it, it. You know, doing this weekly with 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 you and for you know the people that are listening, and it just gives you know a little bit of sense of purpose. But just the other stuff that I've been doing too. I mean with the baby and things like that coming. Um, I feel like I, I've definitely kept some forward momentum in my life. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's tough when uh, I feel like we're getting hit constantly with a lot of this crazy things. And then you add something else, another gut punch on top of that. Um, you know, find your forward momentum. Let's keep, let's keep going. You know, I like that. I like that a lot. I think I'll look back and be satisfied just for this alone. This has yeah. been, uh, a sanity saver for me yep. and hopefully it's been for you and hopefully it's been for people who listen like this is absolutely they they can take our our suggestions go watch something that they wouldn't have thought to watch and then come back here and we can have a dialogue about it and that's why we have all the things that we have right instagram and and the website yeah. pausereviews.com and and all that kind of stuff you know uh, the handle on instagram at pause reviews go on there and and just let's let's talk some stuff you know if it's movies related to movies and if it's if it's anything else you know we talk a lot about our personal stuff here too so um you know if if you're relating to that that makes me happy as well so um but i like i like how you said that let's keep that let's keep a forward momentum just find that thing that drives you through this and then we'll all meet in the sunshine on the other side so yeah all right guys as always i'm your boy frank This is Tim. And we will catch you next week. Until then, have a great one. And uh, 